Mic check one, two, one, two. Hey. What's up, girlfriend? We are going to do something I thoroughly enjoy, which makes me sound dark, twisted, and I sick. I can feel you smiling. I can feel you smiling. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no, I even heard it in my own voice. I was like, I'm all, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why that must be like, again, the customer service voice or the podcast voice, because like when we're talking to each other, like regular, it's like, hey, what's up? Hey. Yeah, yeah, that it is. It is. I can't turn off the professional, like, a little bit. I mean, I try to be more authentic, you know, on the podcast, but being on the phone and doing something that's recorded makes me think you got to be up, you know, you got to step up, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and here I am over here just not giving a shit. I just, can't. <laughs> I just don't even care, like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing okay, I should I should announce. I was gonna say I should announce what I'm so excited about. So we um we decided to do some some twisted, just messed up stories um to tell each other today. We each found two. We have no idea what they're about. Um, we didn't give any other or didn't give each other any parameters other than they just had to be just messed up, <laughs> essentially, or scary, you know, or something that stood out. So. Uh, we each picked out two stories, and um, that's that's it. It's all we know. We don't know anything about each other's stories. So, how do you, how do you want to how you want to do it? I got my hands rubbing them together, like ah. You always you should. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, get it brewing, sister. All right, all right. So I'm gonna like I said, I've got two. I'm gonna give you this one that I feel like might be a little bit of a trigger warning for some people. So. Um, I feel like my other one is uh, is very interesting, but this one is, is a little sad. Um, one thing that I will never talk about, in case anybody knows or, or cares in any way, I will never talk about any type of uh, animal torture. That's that's my trigger. That's where I cannot go. Uh, but everything mm-hmm. else, pretty much fair game. So um, yeah. for me, <laughs> so, uh, Jake Evans. Have you heard of Jake Evans before? Mm-mm. Okay, so no. Jake Evans, seventeen uh, year old boy. Um, I do apologize. I did not write down where he is from, um, but it is he is in the U.S. and I just did not write that down. Um, however, so 17-year-old boy. This uh, this happened in 2018, I do believe it was 2000. I suck at this. I'm so sorry. I, it is very recent. You're fine. Thought it was 2018. Um, 17-year-old boy, uh, Jake Evans decided to shoot his mom and his sister while he was at home now or uh yeah yeah sorry yes mom and sister um he doesn't even know why he did it like that's what's the most disturbing is it's not like he was abused at home it's not like he felt like he was treated poorly um it's not like he had a a a terrible day at school and, and just snapped he did not have any type of mental illness um before during or after uh his trial and he had watched the movie Halloween. Um, again, I am never going to be a person that's going to blame music or movies or TV shows for how people act. But this is just something mm-hmm. that he said. Um, he's like, you know, I watched the movie Halloween and I was really intrigued by how Mike Myers could just so easily kill people. And I just kind of had it in the back of my head. Like, have you ever had not a murderous thought, but like just some kind of thought in the back of your head of something that really intrigued you? You know, maybe it was a hairstyle. Maybe it was a food you wanted to try. And maybe it was a diet you wanted to go on, whatever it may be. And the more you thought of it, you just thought, yeah, I'm going to do that. Like, that was how he described what happened. Um, oh, Alito, <laughs> Texas, by the way, is where he lives. Alito, Texas. So spell that. Alito? Alito, A-L-E-D-O. Might be Alito. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so he had watched that Halloween. Um, and then he came home from school one day. He actually, he went from school to the allergist. And when he got out of the allergist, he went home and turned on um, the Rob Zombie movie. Uh, Halloween? No, I suck at that too. Anyway, Rob Zombie movie, very disturbing movies. Never watched any of them. And just thought, yeah. I'm a killer. His dad was out of town and he uh-huh. went and got a family member's gun that happened to be in the house. And uh-huh. he thought, well, I don't want them to be in any pain. You know, that, that was something he was very 
explicit about was I didn't want them to hurt. I didn't want them to be scared. And he went and knocked on his sister's door and told her, hey, mom wants you downstairs. His mom was downstairs watching a movie. And when she walked out the door, he just shot her in the back. And fell downstairs and started trying to crawl down the the stairway. Like she, I shouldn't say she fell down. She fell onto the stairs and he realized she was still alive. So um, he went and followed her down the stairs and he kept apologizing saying, I'm really sorry. Please just hold still. It won't be much longer. I'll make the pain stop. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then just shot her in the back of the head three more times as she tried to make it down the stairs for help. And he then walked in to where his mom was watching the movie and shot her too until just shot her and killed her right away. And I don't know, they don't explain anywhere that I've seen. I've looked at a couple different articles and I've actually even heard this story on another podcast um, where how did the mom not hear the shots? You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying if somebody shot someone in my house right now, Mm -hmm. I would hear it. I don't know that I'd know what it was. Maybe I would just think, oh, was that outside? You know, maybe that's what she thought, but maybe it just right. all happened fast. I, I really just don't know. Um, but after he killed both of them, he then, um, you know, just said, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then walked upstairs to his bedroom, emptied out all the shells on his bed. And then he says he heard sounds and he realized his sister was actually still alive. She couldn't move. She was, she was going to die from all the gunshots and the bleeding. Went back downstairs, shot her again, made sure that his, his mom really was dead, which she was dead. And then that was it. He, he walked back upstairs and um, he called 911. And I've actually heard a, a clip of the, uh, the phone call. And he's, uh-huh. he's out of breath, like he's been running, but it, it's uh-huh. not, he's not crying. He's just like, he says, um, my plan was to kill my sister and my mom at my house and then go over to my grandparents and kill my oldest sister, Emily, and my two grandparents. But he just oh, couldn't, shit. like after he'd killed those two, he was so shaken by it, not upset uh-huh. necessarily. Like he wasn't in, he wasn't crying like they're dead. He just was so shaken that he had done it. Um he he called 911 he said um i'm trying to find the uh uh he said i sat for five minutes and then um i or or this was him i'm sorry this was him telling how it all led up he said i sat around for five minutes i playfully threw a pillow at mallory which was his sister we started having a pillow fight and after a while i thought to myself if i were going to kill my mom and mallory i wouldn't want them to feel anything so that's how i came to decide i was going to shoot them and I stole my 22 revolver from my grandpa. And it, it just, it's, it's chilling because he's just so, he's just so matter of fact about the whole thing. He's, mm-hmm. he's just so, he, um, after that had happened, after he had made sure they were both dead, he placed the gun on the counter and he called 911. And he says on the, the, or he says in his um, confession letter, I know now, though, that I'm done with killing. It's the most dreadful and terrible ever experienced, and what happened last night will haunt me forever. As it should, you crazy motherfucker. What do you mean? <laughs> In Maybe his... because... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, if you have to kill somebody to, to understand that that's going to be the most horrific thing that you've ever done in your life, you're sick. I, I know he oh here's you know what here's a transcript of the um 911 call so I just want to I just want to read this out here it's not very long um mm-hmm. the 911 caller asks where's the emergency he says um my house well what is the emergency uh I just killed my mom and my sister what well how did you do that like I remember the 911 caller was very calm she you know she talked to him like what he had done wasn't a big deal which was great mm-hmm. because you know, you need to be that person as, as shocked as you are. You need to keep them talking. You need to make sure they don't hurt anybody else. Right. She said, you know, how did you do that? And he says, um, I shot them with a 22 revolver. Are you sure they're dead? They're dead. Okay. I want you to stay on the phone with me. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. The, the gun's on the counter. And he had said his name was Jake. And she said, Jake, are you on any medication? 
Uh, no, I've been going to the allergist. I'm on allergy medication other than Zyrtec and Advil and Sudafedrin. I don't take anything else. <laughs> and <laughs> I know, right? The 911 says, is there any reason that you were so angry at your mother and your sister? I don't know. It's weird. I wasn't even really angry with them. It just kind of happened. I kind of, um, I mean, I've been planning on uh, killing for a while. And she says the two of them or just anybody, pretty much anybody. Well, why? I don't know. I don't really uh, like people's uh, attitude. I think it's kind of very like, you know, emotional. They're verbally rude to each other and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just my family is just kind of really, I guess this is really selfish to say, but I felt they were just suffocating me in a way. I don't know. I'm pretty, I guess, evil, whatever. I'm sorry. Were your mom and sister in their beds? I don't know. This is going to really mess me up in the future. I told my sister that my mom needed her. She was in her room and she came out of her room and I shot her and she rolled down the stairs and I shot her again. And then I went down and I shot my mom maybe three or four times, but I'll never forget this. My sister, she came downstairs and she was screaming and I was telling her that I'm sorry, but just hold still that, you know, it was just going to, I was going to make it go away, but she kept on freaking out, but she finally fell down and I shot her in the head about probably three or four times. That is one of the most chilling sentences to me. Oh, wow. Um, she goes on to where she says, are you in the kitchen? Which, because she knows the gun is in the kitchen. She wants to make sure the officers know he's near the gun. And he says, yes. She said, where's your dad? He's out of town. He's in Washington, D.C. And uh, I guess for future reference, I don't really want to see any of my family members like visiting or whatever. I just don't want any type of visitors. You don't want to <laughs> hurt yourself, do you? Just to let you know, I hate the feeling of killing someone. And then he sighs and says, I'm going to be messed up. And she <laughs> says, you just take a deep breath. We have deputies coming and they're going to help you. Just to let you know, we're going to help you. We're not going to hurt you. And he says, I understand if y'all want to. She says, no, we're there to help you, Jake. Everything's, everybody thinks that we want to do bad things, but right or wrong, we want to help people and we're going to help you. Do you understand that, Jake? And he says, yes. And she says, is it a gated community? Is there a gate? Uh, yeah, you want the password? And then he gives the password. She says, <laughs> it really is. They'll be there shortly. It won't be long now. Jake, would you mind turning on the porch lights? And he said, I've turned the lights on. I was thinking of my sister. She was 15. And she said, how long ago did the shootings happen? He said, uh, about 30 minutes. And then he starts to breathe really heavily and hyperventilate. And she says, you'll be all right. And he said, I'm really worried about like nightmares and stuff like that. Are they, are there types of medications and stuff? And she said, well, I think there is, but I'm not a doctor. And they continue on. He says, I don't, or she tells him, you don't sound like a violent person. You know, she's trying to keep him calm. He says, I don't mean to be, sound like a wimp or anything, but this is, wow. I've never done anything like this in my, anything this violent in my whole life. And then it, it pretty much ends at that point where she tells him, put the phone down, walk outside, the officers are there. And then there's a, a picture of, of him in the, the thing. So like, it, it's just, this story stuck with me because he was so young. He wasn't, I mean, he was just kind of planning it in the back of his mind, like not even really planning it. Just, you know, he, he wasn't upset with them. He wasn't bullied. I mean, I said all this earlier, but like, I need to make sense of it and I can't. Yeah, what a raw and honest conversation. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? That's really good, actually, that you said that, because I didn't really think of it that way, and that's probably part of why it really gets to me, is because he's just straight up like, I can't believe yeah. I did this, and I don't want to do it again, and I'm really scared. Like, am I going to have nightmares? Right. Can you give me medication? Like, Yeah. He's already, like, he's already contemplating what's going to happen, because he's already feeling the motions already, you know, like you said, he started hyperventilating during one part of the, like, he was already starting to feel the emotions, knowing that it's probably going to get way worse than that. Yeah, yeah. what a raw conversation. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. like, ooh. <laughs> I know, I know, it's extremely just tell me, Do you, you... Do you believe that it has to be something like a chemical imbalance or something? Because I feel like I personally could never kill. I don't, unless it was self-defense, you know, like somebody's in my house and I think they're going to kill me. So I'm going to shoot them. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I could just ever just kill somebody even like out of anger, you know, out of anger or anything. I can never, I can't even imagine being in that headspace where, you are about to take somebody's life. 
No, I exactly what you said, and even that would mess me up really bad afterward. But you know what I try to kind of compare it to, and this is not anywhere near the same thing, but have you ever, and, and maybe you haven't had this, but I remember they were talking about this on a radio show one time, and I thought the, the DJ had said this one thing, and I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only person that ever thought like that. And uh-huh. of course, the other two co-hosts were like, you're crazy. Like, we never would think that. I'm like, oh, right here. So he said, have you ever been standing somewhere really high, you know, and you thought, what if I jumped off? Not because you're upset, not because you want to die, not because anything, but there's just like this little voice in the back of your head. What if I jumped off? Like just oh, hell no. <laughs> no, okay. Well, it happens to be. I'm afraid of heights, remember? <laughs> oh, so am I. Terrified. But there's just like this little voice in the back of my head sometimes. Like, you know what it is? The um uh the the Empire State Building at um at Kings Dominion, which is a a, yeah. a park here, an amusement park here, and they have a mock-up of the Empire State Building. You can go up there and stand up on it and you can see the whole park. And it, it horrifies me. I mean, I've done it more than once. It, I get shaky and dizzy every time I go up there, but I will go up there and like standing on the edge and holding on to the edge just makes me feel like I'm falling, even though I'm not. But in the back of my mind, when I'm doing that, I think, what if I just climbed over and jumped? Not because I want to jump. I don't, I don't intend to, I'm not going to. There's just like this tiny little like devil on my shoulder. Like, what if you did that? You know, you are aware that you don't grow rings, right? Like, Right. You, you you are aware of that like no because when you're saying that i'm thinking i know what the hell will happen <laughs> i know exactly what's gonna happen you're gonna fucking break some bones you're gonna go splat somewhere and either you're gonna live or you're gonna have to go through physical therapy or some shit like that like i know exactly that scares the hell out of me it and so i just wonder is it like that but so much darker you know is it just like he didn't plan to do that he didn't intend to but this little voice was like what if you did it and then he just thought i'm gonna try it like i I just i can't i can't understand it but i can try to i can try to make sense of it i wonder i wonder if it's like like the few fights that i've been in i'm a blackout person i i realized that the first time that i ever got into a fight and i would think I mean, I black out. So usually when somebody tells me, somebody has to tell me what happened. But I would think that if I'm in blackout mode, that I, here goes my whole, I'm going to put this on a t-shirt. Here goes my point of no return again. I would think that I would be in a different mind frame than if I remembered what I was doing. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and I would think that when I go to blackout, that things would probably be a whole lot worse you know, when I cross over on that side. So maybe it's like that because everybody doesn't black out. I know that for a fact because I've talked to certain people, you know, about things that have happened and, you know, and I'll say, yeah, well, I black out when I, you know, when I get into a fight and they're just like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I think that's your mind's protection doing that. Like you're just so upset that your mind decides, okay, we can't, you can't live this right now because it's good. It's too much, you know, the same way that people just, they forget trauma until it comes back up because it's just, and that's just me. That's just me thinking that's what it is, but I, I don't know. I mean, I guess he, he, rem- he seemed to remember everything he did and exactly how it happened. So I don't think that he was in like a blackout mode, but I see what, I mean, I see what you're saying. You're right. That is a defense mechanism for the brain. That was one of my favorite um, chapters in psychology when I took that class. Mm-hmm. I love psychology. It's Me such a good too. Class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so interesting. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you. You know, I was thinking this <laughs> when I was um, searching for stories, and I decided like um, I'm gonna look for you know murder stories. I'm gonna look and see what I can find. And so I start typing up different things. I really can't remember what I typed, but I know I typed in like um famous killers. I end up going like serial killers and then I then I end up going to child serial killers. And I'm like if somebody fucking looks up my history <laughs> I know, right? I've done the same thing. <laughs> so I landed on this story right here. There were so many 
different parts to this story. It just stuck with me out of the, I went through a few stories and I was like, yeah, that's good. When I got to this one, I was like, this fucking dude's crazy. Okay. So his name is, his name is Jesse Pomeroy. Jesse spelled like J-E-S-S-E. And he is the, I'm not going to say he was the youngest serial killer, but he was one of the youngest serial killers. And he was the first um, child to be convicted of murder in the first degree in the state of Massachusetts. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this story goes back to the 1800s. It's a long time ago, but so interesting. So um, they lived in a place called Charlestown, Massachusetts. And this story takes place in 1859. Um, It says that, and and so when I was looking up pictures, I could never find a picture, like they have like drawn pictures of them, I guess, because it was so old, you know, back then that Mm -hmm. I didn't have color. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I wanted to see him in color because um, they started out telling the story about when he was young, that he used to get made fun of all the time. And he got made fun of because he had bad hair and one white eye. Now, isn't that spooky already? Yeah, that's already going down a bad path. Because you're just going to get mocked until you snap. And he has one white eye. So he had one completely white eye. So um, he got bullied all the time. And then it said as he got older, like around 11 years old, that he started bullying other people. But he took it to a whole nother level. He liked to take small children into the woods and tell them to take their clothes off. And then he would tie them up and he would beat them. And then he would take and like poke them with sharp objects and cut them up and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so listen to this. After seven kids, he was finally arrested. Like... So I'm reading this article, like, why the hell did it take till seven kids? None of these kids are dead. He's just pretty much, like, mutilating them, you know? Um, So uh, it took seven years, and they they finally found, and then he got arrested. And um, they put him in jail for, like, a year and a half, and then he was released because he had been on good behavior and he was doing good, whatever. So they let him out. So um, did it say how old was he? Oh, he was 14. He was 14. Oh, my God. He was 14 years old. Um, and then so I don't remember them saying how long after they he was released because he got convicted of mutilating them, hurting them or whatever. These the seven children. He did a year and a half, got released. He got out. Well, I don't remember how much longer later after he got out. But there was a 10 year old girl that had went missing. And they couldn't find her. They couldn't find her body or anything. And then a month later, a four-year-old little boy goes missing. But they found his body. They found um, the body, like, in the marshlands on the outskirts of the city. And they said that um, he, the body was all slashed up and that he had cut him with a knife, like, almost to, he was almost decapitated when they found it. Yeah. When they found his body. So when they found the boy's body, of course, the the girl's body still in play. They're trying to find the girl's body, but they haven't, but it's still, you know, under investigation. And so they put Jesse at the top of the list because he had hurt all those kids, you know, and he, Mm -hmm. nobody had, this was something that wasn't heard of back, you know, then this wasn't murder. And to this degree, wasn't a big thing, you well, know, serial killer. That term didn't exist back then. Yeah. Well, so check this out. So they put him to the top of the list and they, and they told, you know, he was a, a purchase of a person of interest. And so they found um, a bloodstained knife in one of his trousers. And so they, they like they instantly locked him up and, and all that other stuff and put him under investigation. And meanwhile, his mom decided that because they just found the knife in the trousers. So they didn't really have anything else to go on besides that. Right. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, his mom, like all the press and and, and you know, the censoring of her neighbors, she just decided that she was going to move. She was like, I, she couldn't take it, that she was going to get out. So her land, after she moved, her landlord decided that they were going to renovate. And I don't know what they were doing, but it said that they dug up the basement and then the body of the little girl was found. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So, 
the police went and told the Jess told Jesse, the little boy, that they had found her body, and you know, and then they're asking him questions. Well, he admits that he killed her, and then he admits that he com- that he had killed twenty seven other people. 27 oh and that 12 of the 12 of the their bodies are in the yard of the mother's house yeah oh. yeah i'm like holy hell. i'm like when i'm reading that story i'm like what oh my god what the hell? yeah i'm just like whoa it just keeps getting more intense more intense what so did the pretty- mom think he was doing out there digging uh, holes nonstop? I mean, I, I guess, you know what, though? Back in the day, you had so much acreage. Like, that was just normal. So I bet he just, you know, was like, oh, hey, I'm going out to play. And she's like, all right. And he's like, yeah, digging my hole. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have what her reaction is or anything like that. Um, it did say that he was on trial. Of course, he was found um, guilty, but and they had diagnosed him with mild mental retarda- retardation. Mm-hmm. But even with that diagnosis, they still um, he was the youngest, one of the youngest people to be sentenced to death. And um, it said that um, I think that he spent a total of forty-one years in solitary confinement. He's tried to kill himself, but he wasn't successful. I'm like, how are you successful? killing over 27 people but when it comes to yourself you just can't do it <laughs> you're not successful because they didn't give him a knife in there yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm, reading, I'm reading like he tried to commit himself but without success and i'm like mm, that's funny how your success goes down when it comes to you right. anyway so yeah um so that was pretty much it he was like convicted and and but he was the youngest, supposed to be the youngest serial killer that they had in Massachusetts. And wow, he was insane. Wow. That's God. like, you know what? There's a part of me that I, I know that people can be, you know, the younger they say anyway, the younger that they are, they can be like turned around um, and, and rehabilitated. I don't know that I believe that to be true. Like, I wonder if 20 years from now it's, and I always use 20 as the, my timeline, but 10 years, 20, 40, 50 years from now that they're going to realize that that's not true, that you can't always rehabilitate, you know, you want to give a chance. And I don't know what it is that, that puts that in people, but I don't feel like you can always be rehabilitated no matter what. No, hell no. No, hell no. If you what if you kill 27 people? No, there's no and, and you know that was a part of the story that I didn't um get to say is that he was imprisoned and they kept him in solitary confinement for 41 years, but at the end of the story it said that he was transferred to a hospital for the criminally insane and he died there at the age of 72. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't feel like that at all. I, I feel like, uh, uh-uh, uh. <laughs> at that point, if he wants to die and you're not going to let him out, why can't? I mean, I know it's it's paperwork and whatever that you. But I, why are you fighting to keep him alive? I mean, because you certainly right. aren't going to admit that you're doing that to punish him. Most people are going to say, "Well, he was so young," and okay, well, he was young, but he was obviously a tortured soul. If he felt like he had to do this, let him go. Right. Right. Yeah, this this yeah, that story was just like whoa. And 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 you think like my my daughter is 13 years old. You think this was a 14-year-old child. And right. you have to if you if you really take and dissect the story and think of all of the things that he did from taking the children in the woods and beating them to almost decapitating a child to killing almost 30 people to burying them in his mother's I mean wow that was yeah that was a lot when I was 14 I was like playing Nintendo and using slap bracelets (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying that's wow. like a lot of planning and a lot of know-how and it just makes you like I'm not um you know we've had this discussion before I'm not a religious person at all but it makes me wonder what is born into you what type of evil has taken hold of you yeah, for sure 
because First. there was there was no mention that he had been uh you know all the telltale signs he had been abused or he had been neglected like none of that was mentioned it's just he just was it sounds like honest he was just born evil yeah for yeah absolutely and i don't think i don't think you could fix evil that's just my opinion like that's that's who you are that's what's in your blood in your dna your genes and that's just it because right here this 27 people i can't i mean it's it like he died like it, he was supposed he's sentenced sentenced death, but they says he died in a um an institution. I'm sorry. I know that there's people out there who don't believe in an eye for eye or nose for a nose or, or whatever. I am one of those people that I normally in my life, I am not a fence rider. I'm either on one side or I'm on the other, but I'm a fence rider on that because I feel like there's some certain, certain situations that happen where people murder people and maybe they shouldn't actually deserve to die die but then there's there's this that i'm just like what what are y'all doing i would yeah. i would let him just stand up there and let all the people that he killed their kids i'll let all of them shoot at him yes throw rocks at him like do, yeah. i have no i have no sympathy for you now if you want to tell me that you uh you know what texting and driving that's illegal so you got a text message from right. somebody and you look down at your phone and you shouldn't have, but you did it. And then you hit someone and you killed them. Do I think mm. that you should be, you know, hit with a car and killed? No, I right. don't. You, you That's did something really awful. That was perfect. But, but yeah, but this, like you legitimately sat down and made a plan to harm these children. And, and then you went so far as to kill these children and then you buried them because you knew it was wrong and you knew mm-hmm. you would get in trouble. And no, I, I, he should have just over died. and they over and over him. again. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yep. So that's, that's your turn now. All right. Um, have you ever heard of Annalise Michelle? No. Okay. Well, Annalise Michelle is the, um, story behind uh the um exorcism of emily rose the the uh-huh. movie that was created for the exorcism of emily rose um she was a real life person and she was born in germany and she was extremely religious uh she had catholic faith um she at the age of she was born i should say september 21st 1952 and when she was 18 years old um, she had, uh, she had a seizure. Um, you know what? I apologize. When she was 16, she had a seizure and they said that she was de- uh, diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy, which not to go into a, a lot of detail, but can cause you to have several seizures and can cause your, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Like your, your responses to you, you can become more irate. You can become uh, quicker to anger, you know, mm-hmm. that, that type of thing. Um, so in June of 1970, so at that point she would have been 18 years old. She had a third seizure and she was admitted to a psychiatric hospital, um, which is actually where she had her third seizure. She had been admitted because they had tried all of these different drugs. It didn't really seem like anything was helping. They continued different types of drugs, anti-seizure drugs. They started using psychosis drugs on her that they would usually use in schizophrenic patients. However, she was not diagnosed with schizophrenia, but she would go on to say that she suffered from depression. She was hallucinating when she was praying. Because again, remember, she's very strong in her Catholic faith. And she complained about hearing voices that were telling her that she was damned and that she was going to rot in hell. Um, so they started her psychiatric treatment, uh, to be a little more in depth, you know, a little, they were trying to work on getting her happier and healthier again. She kept saying that her health wasn't improving. She was becoming more depressed and that the long-term treatment they were giving her was just making her more frustrated. You know, she didn't feel better. She just felt worse. And she continued Mm -hmm. to take these drugs for five years and, she even began to become intolerant of all Christian sacred places and any type of sacred objects such as crucifixes. She would um, say that she couldn't, uh, at one point she went to San Demonio with a, I'm saying that wrong probably, but San Demonio uh, with a family friend and um, she wanted to go and see the, um, 
trying to say the, the Holy Spring is where she wanted to go. And there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of uh, Catholic, um, you know, crosses and, and different things like that, that were in that area. And she said she couldn't go into the spring. Um, one thing that was written from her friend who had taken her on this pilgrimage, <laughs> this Christian pilgrimage, she says, um, she was unable to enter a shrine that we had walked upon. She approached it with great hesitation. Then she said that the soil burned like fire and she simply could not stand it. She walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding a little garden and it seemed to her that while praying, they were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden and then she had to turn back. Coming around to the front again, she had to avert her glance from the picture of Christ and she made it several times to the garden, but just could not get past it. She also noted she could no longer look at medals or pictures of saints. They sparked so immensely that she could not stand it. So these are all is things. Is real? Yeah. Yeah, this is a this true is a real story. story. Yeah, this is what? a true story. The um, Obviously, the movie that they made in 2005, um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, they took a lot of liberties and it's not going to be exactly the story, but it's just what they based the story off of. Um, so as all this goes on and, and, and again, she's still very faithful. She's still trying so hard. She's praying every day. She's asking God to help her, to save her, that she doesn't know what's going on. She and her family start to think that she's possessed and, um, they asked for an exorcism and several priests declined. They recommended that she continue her medical treatment. They informed the family that exorcisms required the bishop's permission and in the Catholic church that it was just difficult to come by, but they finally did get the bishop's permission. And um, she began to worsen physically. She began to display aggression, self-injury. She drank her own urine and ate insects. In November of 1973, <laughs> were you laughing? What the? <laughs> so in November of 1973, she started another treatment of an anti-seizure drug and a mood stabilizer. And during the course of the religious rites, because she was in the middle of starting to try to do this exorcism, because it, apparently it's not quite like, you know, in the movies where somebody's laying in a bed and they're performing one, exorcisms can be performed several times and they can happen in, you know, you don't have to be laying in a bed. Like the priest could come in, you could sit down in a chair and he's performing this exorcism and you're just sitting in this chair. So um, I feel like when I think of it and when a lot of people think of it, you're picturing you know, all those movies where you've seen it and the head spins around and she's throwing up yeah. 40 feet. So, um, so they continued this course of drugs and then also um, doing the exorcism at the same time. But despite taking all these medications, her symptoms were worsening. She was, um, she began to manifest uh, by showing growling. She said she was seeing demons and she began to throw things. Um, mm. The priest that was performing the exorcism was the priest Ernst Alt is his name. E-R-N-S-T is his first name. Alt, A-L-T is his last name. Um, he said upon meeting her, he declared that she did not look like an epileptic and that he never saw her have a seizure. He believed that she was suffering from demonic possession and he urged the local bishop to allow this exorcism. So that, again, was how he became the one that was performing the exorcism. Um, she had actually written to him, I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me. She also told him, I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel. So in September of that same year, uh, when the bishop granted him uh, the right to go ahead and perform this exorcism, he started performing the first session on <laughs> September 24th. And she began talking increasingly about dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day and the apostle priests of the modern church. And she refused to eat toward the end of all of this. The exorcisms went on for 10 months. Her parents actually stopped consulting doctors on, their, on her request at one point and relied solely on the exorcism rites. 67 exorcism sessions one or two each week, lasting up to four hours each time, were performed over 10 months from 1975 to 1976. And... What did, what did they get out of doing this? She died. So... I mean, what was the point of them having well, all of them? Like, they, what? 
they felt like she was not psychotic. I mean, they, they were so they they were so deep in their faith. They thought, okay, these we tried these drugs for years. We tried to admit her to a mental hospital, and and the doctors can't figure it out. We need a higher power. We need help from God. We need help from the bishop. We need you know we just, we need more. We need more than you can do on earth. We need something better. So that was why they, they just, they quit. I mean, they quit all of that mm-hmm. because it wasn't how they just wanted to save their daughter. And on July 1st of 1976, she died in her home. The autopsy stated that the cause was malnutrition and dehydration brought on from semi-starvation state for almost a year while the rites of exorcism were being performed. She weighed 68 pounds and she suffered mm. broken knees from continuously bowing during the exorcisms. She Jeez. was unable to move without assistance at the end. And she was reported to have contracted pneumonia. So all of those complications, the thing that got me the most was that as many times as they made her kneel and she, I, I shouldn't have said bow, I'm sorry, kneel. As many times as they made her kneel, she broke her knees. I think that's just, it, I mean, it's it's an insane story because she, you know, you have doctors saying, well, her death could have been prevented because it was, you know, it was negligent homicide, the fact that the parents and the, the priest were letting this happen. But on the other hand, she was still in her right mind enough to say, I don't want to eat. I, she felt like she had to purge everything. You know, I have to purge these demons. I don't want to feed the demon. If I feed my body, I'm feeding the demons and I don't want to do that. So she just, she didn't know what else to do. I mean, I, I don't, I'm certainly not, again, a religious person who believes in that, but I don't know that I don't believe there's some kind of awful evil out there, you know? So I'm just, I'm kind of torn. Or that just, or just people just aren't in their right mind. You know what I mean? Maybe if you are unaware or uneducated about what's happening to that that person, it could come off as it's evil or demonic or um, but you just don't I'll tell you a for instance. I mean it's not anywhere near the same lines of what you just said, but when you get out when you get out and you travel and you go see see things, you end up seeing a whole lot more than you would ever see if you just stay within the comforts of your own home. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember that um, when I was dating this guy, we used to go to Philly all the time. And that was probably one of, besides DC was one of the, uh, or Richmond was one of the biggest cities that I had been to back then. Um, and it, I'm talking about center city, like downtown Philly, homeless, drugs people smoking crack pipes on their stoop like that kind of I had never seen anything like that in my life right and there was this lady who was in the park I don't even remember what their park was called but it was like a big park like you know kind of like Central Park for New York it was like a big park like that Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of homeless people and things you know camped out there I don't know if this lady was homeless or not she appeared to be but we're walking and out of nowhere she just starts like chasing her like a dog chasing her tail she's going in circles and she's trying to catch her ponytail and she's like i'm gonna fucking get you i'm gonna fucking get you i'm gonna get you i'm gonna and she's going around and around and around and trying to catch her ponytail i'm like what the fuck? <laughs> wow what the hell is going on you know so i i'm using this example to say that something was wrong with that lady you know what I'm saying? Right. And some people might have thought, like, she's fucking evil. She's fucking crazy. Something's wrong with her. But, you know, she might have been, like, schizophrenia or, or you know, some kind of mental illness. But, you know, we weren't really aware of what she But I, that was the first time I ever seen anybody act like that at all. And so if you had told me a story of somebody acting like I might have probably been like, oh, okay. You know, it's different when you see it. And you know that people are capable of acting a certain way and doing certain things that are just like, holy shit. Because, I mean, I never see anybody run around in circles talk, talking to their hair, talking about, I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to get you. <laughs> well, I think, I, I, and not to, not to make excuses for them, but I think the problem is that 
they had tried everything they could think of. And we did live in a different time. They they lived in a different time back then where even though it was the late seventies, there were still, and there still are to this day, people that truly believe that the higher power knows more than the medical staff on the ground, you know, on on the earth. Mm -hmm. And they felt like, look, we've done everything. And I can't even imagine watching your child suffer like that, having your child cry and say, there's demons following me. And you can't, you can't see it and you can't feel it, but you just want to save your kid. You just want to do anything. And at this point you're like, look, we've given all, she's been given every cocktail under the sun. We've locked her away. Like she was, you know, demonic already. And then we just don't know what else to do. And, and she was still to the point where she would eat a little and, and she had gone for so many months, I mean, up to a year where she was semi starving. And I'm sure, I, I don't know this, it's not written, but I can't imagine these parents that loved her, that were trying to save her never once said, do you want to stop? You know, it, I mean, they did ask her if she wanted to stop in the beginning and she would always say, no, you know, keep going. We, we need to get this demon out. And then, you know, just watching your kids suffer like that, you would do anything, do anything at all, just to grasp at any straw to save them. And right. in the end, the bishop that was, uh, the bishop that had given the okay about all of this, um, he did not testify. There, there was a trial after she died. He did not testify, but all of the accused, um, the, the uh, priest that performed it, and her parents were found guilty of manslaughter resulting from negligence that were, and they were sentenced to six months in jail, which was later suspended and then three years of probation. So they weren't given the, I mean, this was almost 1980 and they weren't given these crazy heavy sentences. They actually were given such a light sentence because they said, you know what? We, you didn't know what you were doing. I mean, you shouldn't have done it, but you didn't know what you were doing and you were trying, you were trying to help your child. Like we know you didn't do this out of malice. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's a, that's a tough, uh, it's a tough situation to be yeah. in right there. Yeah. And, and it was also Germany, which I don't know a lot about their culture back then. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that you would have been able to do that in America and gotten such a light sentence or that it even would have gotten to, to that point, you know, but right. I don't, who knows? It's just, it's different over there. It's a different country and different views. So that's my, that's my other story. Right on. I got, this is all I got. And they're very, I got two, but they're very, very short. Um, Because one of them, um, it was like a ghost story. I was reading um, on this. I think it came from the Huff Post, you know, that. that, Yeah, um, I like them. (laughs) uh Uh-huh. So they were, and these are real short, real ghost stories from people, but they were just short short stories. And this one right here stuck with me. Um, They, they called it the cell phone. That's what the story was called. And so um, any, any mom or parent who has a child or a nephew or, or anybody like a child around knows that children love to take your phone. And so one night they said that, you know, her son came down and was like, hi, your phone, you know, whatever. And she's like, yeah, don't call anybody and don't mess with the text messages. All right, mom. So she said that when it was time for her to go to bed, she, you know, went to go look for her son in his room and he wasn't there. She went to her room and he was laying on the bed and he was laying on the bed, um, on his on his back with the phone in his hand and so she took the phone and she was like looking through it and there was only like minor changes that had done like her background and a banner or something like that and she said she went to the pictures and she said there was pictures that were taken so she she started deleting the pictures that were taken and she got to the last one and it was the picture was of her son in that position, laying down on his back, and there was a half, uh, the left half of an elderly woman's face in the picture. Oh, fuck oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I would have shit my pants. That makes my eyes water because it scares me so bad. Like I knew, I knew that's what was coming, but I, I just, oh god, no, no, no. I didn't know when I was reading the, when I was reading the story, it went to, 
that she was deleting the pictures, I was thinking like she saw like a orb or a, I was that's what I was thinking like no, she, that I, something well, like I that. I didn't know the old lady, but I was like she's gonna tell me there's a picture from above of this kid, and there's no way he could have done it. And then adding in the old lady, th- oh fuck no, oh, I... God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it scares me so bad. I know that was freaking creepy. So the other one that I have, this is also just a really short. Uh, story this actually caught my attention because it happened in ocala florida and we were just in ocala florida this just this past weekend oh yeah so and um i think that this yeah this this story was dated for today so this happened on monday the 27th okay so we just left Ocala on, on uh, Saturday. So it says a nine-year-old was charged with attempted murder of his five-year-old sister. Okay. Check this out. This little boy's in third grade in Ocala, Florida. Um, they're all home. Him and his mom and his sister are home. His mom says she's going to go check the mail and she was going to go get something from the neighbor. I think it was like, um, some, a, she I think it said a sweet, you know, so maybe like a cake or something that the neighbor had made for her. She's going to go do that. Well, she went and did that. And when she returned, she found her, the, um, nine-year-old son stabbing the five-year-old yeah, stabbing the five-year-old sister repeatedly with a kitchen knife, saying, die, die, die. Oh, my <gasps> God. No. I mean, there's not really any other details to that story except that. But the fact that he was like, die, she didn't know, die, die, die. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine walking on, in on that scene. Like what the the amount of emotions that have to hit you was so as in the article as of now, um, because this the article it was done Monday on the 27th, but this article was dated on the 29th today. It says that she was in the hospital and she was still responsive. So hope that she lives. Um, But again, that again, that would be a, a hard thing to live through if she does live through that, you know. Knowing that however she comes out, whatever her, she has to get over not only healing physically, but mentally and wondering, why the fuck would my own brother try and kill me? God, and then, you know what, you saying that makes me think of something I don't know that I ever would have thought of was, uh, what do you do? Like, do you still try to raise your two kids in the same household? Do you still try to keep them together? Or do you have to, somebody, another... Oh, okay. I was going to say, or another family member or foster family has to now care for one or the other. No, I mean, and and let me answer that question on my personal point of view. I love both of my damn children to death. Okay. If that happened to me, obviously, well, you know, I told you he's, he's, he's locked up. I don't know how long he's locked up for, but let's say that he only got a couple years and then he wants to come back home. I love you, but I'm sorry. As long as my other child is here, the one that you tried to kill, I can no longer, I can no longer have you around. And and, and who else are you going to do that to? Are you going to do that to me? Are you going to do that to your dad? Like I can't, I can't risk that. I can love you, but you can't stay here. Yeah, I mean, what yeah. if it's one of those things where? And I'm not, I'm not a uh, saying this is what the mom did or that the mom was at fault in any way or anything at all that she did anything wrong mm-hmm. i'm just trying to find you know sense in chaos so what if it was something what if it was a situation where this kid was you know let's say like a latchkey kid you know both kids are but mm-hmm. he's the one that's made to be the adult you know even though he's only nine and at this day and age being nine you're very young as opposed to you know 50 years ago when you were nine you could freaking work um but but, you know let's just say that he he watches cartoons and he watches he plays video games that you know he probably shouldn't be playing for his age because mom is working two jobs you know she just doesn't have time to invest you know she's just trying to keep food on the table and keep a, a roof over their heads and let's just say he has no concept of the difference you know what really happens to somebody like he's thinking of a video game well if i stab this person they come right back and I can play it again. And it's really cool. Like I like all the blood, you know, and I like how they scream. Mm-hmm. Like what if it's to, where he's not really this evil kid that was just born with mm-hmm. this one. Like he sincerely has no concept of what he's really, he's really going to kill her or that 
she won't just heal right away, you know, that her, her wounds aren't going to heal right back up and, and she'll be perfectly fine. Like, what if it was that type of scenario? And then he realizes, oh my gosh, like I really could have hurt her. And he's just, you know, brokenhearted and wants to make a man, you know, like I just try to see both scenarios of like, how no, that's you- a, that's a, that's a great side to see. I did leave out a very important factor in the article when they, uh, the police asked him, why did he do it? And he said that he had been thinking about killing his sister for two days. Oh, okay. Well, you know he what? That, said, that yep, shoots he my said, theory right out. He said that he couldn't get it out of his head. So no, that doesn't shoot your theory. Cause I mean, I'm sure that that's a scenario for some, and I probably don't think I would have thought about that if you didn't just explain that. I don't, I, my thought process probably wouldn't have went there. But you're right, that could have been one of the scenarios. But in this one, and I left out a very important detail, he was like that he had thought about killing his sister for two days and he couldn't get out of his head. God, and see, and you're not, I mean, again, not blaming mom, but how do you go to your mom at nine years old and say, I want to kill my sister? Like, how do you, and if you do, does she take you seriously or does she just think, oh, well, what did she do to you? Or, or like, I want to kill her too, shit. Right, exactly. <laughs> She's been an ass the last couple of days, little bitch. Like, you know, what? Is- <laughs> right. I, I um, don't know. I mean, to uh, just something I don't want to. I don't want to forget this when you said the um, the ghost story. Just to end on a little bit of a a little positive, kind of funnier note, since that's God, that's horrible. Um, wait, wait. Before you get to the funny, oh, let me sorry. give you another. Horrible, because I forgot to say this part, too, that when the police were talking to him, that he he described what was happening. He grabbed the sister by the back of her neck. Yeah. And then he started stabbing her, saying, die, 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 like that. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Nine. Nine. There may not be any rehabilitation for this kid, like. And that poor little five-year-old girl oh, probably loved her brother to death, you know, one of those situations. So oh, that's even more heartbreaking. Like to just think mm-hmm. that I loved him. Why are you hurting me? Like why? Yeah. Oh my God. She is fucked for life. If she lives, she's still screwed for life because mentally that's going to be one hard thing to overcome, to know that somebody that you love, somebody that you live with, somebody that you're comfortable did something so horrific to you. How do you ever trust another human being? Well, I hope that after going through all that trauma that I know some people don't think it's the right course, but I really hope that she's in therapy right away. Like in you know and she may need it the rest of her life because she's gonna have to talk out some stuff that her best friend and her you know her siblings can't can't relate to in any way you know they can't get behind that like I feel like so many people are just like oh well she's she's a kid she'll forget oh she might Mm -hmm. forget but her subconscious isn't going to forget it's gonna hit her later in life you know so the stab wounds that she has all over her body I don't know if she'll be able to see all of them but you know what I'm saying that she has to look at daily or you know stuff like that yeah I just I really hope she gets therapy because she's gonna need it right really she's gonna need a lot of it okay I brought us way down you can bring us way back up (laughs) okay okay yeah I wanted I wanted to say this after the um the ghost story you said about the little boy but um, we went right into the other one and I thought, well, I hope I remember to tell this later. So I'll, I'll say this and it'll leave us on a kind of funny note. Um, one of my friends, she had, uh, she had a little boy. Um, he's almost two now. And when he started walking, um, they, uh, they lived in like a, an open floor plan house at the time. So she, you know, if he walked into another room, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal because she could usually see him from wherever she was at. However, he had this tendency to walk into the laundry room, which one of the, was one of the only rooms that, I mean, other than the bedrooms, but the doors were always shut. And at the time, you couldn't open the bedroom door. But he would walk into the laundry room, and she'd always know that's where he went. So she would go to try to find him. And every time, he would be standing in the laundry room with the light off. He couldn't turn the light on. Lights were off. Behind the door, facing the wall. <laughs> and he would just stand there and stare. He wouldn't say a word. He would just, uh, and he did it so often. And she oh was like, I have God. to tell you what he does. And she sent one time she sent her older son. Um, he was, uh, I believe, 13 at the time. She's like, go, go get your brother. Like, he's probably in the laundry room. 
And he walked in there and she hadn't told him, you know, that he does this. And I don't know if he knew, but he walked in there and he's like, mom, Mm-mm. no, I'm not getting him. You go get him. And he just walked out. was like, uh-uh, that's, that's, that's a Blair Witch shit right there. No thanks. Like, oh my God. Yeah. That's one of the things like that would scare me. Like I would need to sleep with my door closed. I mean, not just closed, but locked. Right. And and he's like, he's not normally like a quiet, like he's really boisterous, you know, happy little boy. So the fact that that was something he just did was so <laughs> That's creepy. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he's a little like a little blonde haired boy with big eyes and cherub cheeks. So it just makes it even more oh, creepy gosh, when you think of like yeah. children of the corn. We have, <laughs> we have like a bowl cut. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's really creepy as a parent oof, you know you want to love your kid but still you need to reality is real you need i would have to like i don't know i don't know i you wouldn't want to like you wouldn't want to shoot my like, diaper something you know because you don't want to like shoot or stab or you know kill your child but you're like if you have that little hint that that little motherfucker might be evil or <laughs> Possess or something. I mean, I maybe I could keep like pepper spray or mace on deck, <laughs> so I have enough time to run away. Like, <laughs> spray the shit out of you. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, and that's where we're gonna end. Mason babies. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Until next time. All right. Bye. Bye.